We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my host, Nick Filato. Today we're here to talk a little bit about the overall training camp preseason vibe and experience from the Giants' first team offense, specifically the passing game, specifically quarterback Daniel Jones. Coming off Monday's practice, which was a longer session than usual, a lot of work for the ones. Not a lot of reporting from the beat reporters on staff. I think we're getting to the point, Nick, where Dable and Kafka and Joe Shane and everyone involved in the organization is like, yeah, no more tweets, no more discussing plays. We're keeping the rest of this stuff in-house because this is the stuff we're going to use in season. A lot of red zone work. And what we did hear from the beats and from those covering the Giants in-house, like the Schmelk types, is that Daniel Jones went 21 of 25, completing his first 17 passes. And Nick... Yeah, he got a little sloppy late in practice. I think Dane Belton had a pick six. That dude just always finds himself around the football, Nick. But 21-25, first 17 pass completions, this type of efficiency has pretty much become the norm in camp. So today, Nick, what I want to talk about with you is what can we make of this? What does it mean to be this efficient in camp? And how does it translate to the regular season? So what can we expect once we get to the real games? Week one versus Dallas, where it actually matters. There's pass rush. There's another defense on the field. There's an opposing coordinator trying to scheme against your specific offense. How much carries over? What can we expect carries over? Things of that nature. And what kind of jump can we expect? Because honestly, Nick, with the hype that has been building and the actual efficiency in practice from Daniel Jones, it's starting to feel like a big jump as a passer is possible and was in well within the realm of possibility. And I know some Giants fans, Nick, the biggest of Daniel Jones homers, have felt this way from the start. They're like, nah, it's going to happen no matter what. Just give him some weapons, give him some O-line protection. But there are reasons to believe that a big jump would happen if he were to. It would be a big jump, I should say, if he were to make that happen this early in year two in Dable's system. So what, are you, what do you make of all this, I guess? Let's start there. I think you can have many takeaways here. Some can be positive. Some can have negative connotations from a positive standpoint. What does Wink Martindale love to do in practice? Because a lot of this was on 11 on 11. So full team periods. He loves to blitz. So I can read into this saying he's being uber efficient, Daniel Jones, by finding the open receivers based on possibly, and it's hard to say without the film, attacking a very blitz heavy defensive coordinator and Daniel Jones is processing, finding where the blitz is coming from, knowing where his receivers are going to be and then making the defense pay. I think from a negative standpoint, if you want to be negative and read into this, 
Daniel Jones had what? 6.6 yards per attempt last year. When you aren't challenging the defense down the field, you're going to be throwing short. These low upside type of throws, just kind of move the sticks, get yourself into a third and manageable type of situation, get the football into your playmaker's hands. I think some people may be, hey, Daniel Jones isn't stretching the defense. He's not going to force explosive plays, and it's just going to be another dink and dunk type of offense. I think that's a very negative way to look at it. Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are very progressive, smart offensive coordinators who are going to punish the defense. And I think if Daniel Jones has a four or five yard gain to Wandell Robinson or Paris Campbell over the middle of the field, that's off his first read. Once he hits his back foot, take it. If there's no explosive play that's going to develop, if the defense is removing the explosive play, or if the defense is really focusing on a player like Darren Waller. So I'm okay with that low A dot. If it is like 6.6, is, it's very, very low. If the explosive plays aren't there, you don't need to force it. What we need Daniel Jones to do and what you and I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, what we've been kind of pounding the table for, for the last, I don't even know, six months or so, is when those explosive plays are there, you pull the trigger. Doesn't mean you always have to throw it down the field. You can have these three, four, five yard dink and dunk types of passes. But when the play is actually set up for you, don't hesitate. And last season, Daniel Jones hesitated. In terms of your overall question, the efficiency, look, you're never going to hear me complain about an efficient offense. We know the Giants were one of the most efficient offenses up until the bye week last year when they were winning football games. Yeah, I think you nailed this. I think a lot of the time we look at this too, not we specifically, but in general, sports talk looks at this a little too black and white as if, you know, in offense is either taking shots all the time to create explosive plays or dinking and dunking all the time and not creating them. Yes, last year, the Giants had among the lowest average depth of target of all teams, and they were essentially one of the safest passing offenses in the NFL. But if you look back, Nick, I did this a little bit earlier. I looked back at two seasons ago, the breakout season from a passing standpoint for Josh Allen. Obviously, last year with Josh Allen, he hurt that um, rotator cuff or whatever it was in his elbow. And he really wasn't the same from that point on as a passer. But two seasons ago, it wasn't exactly what people would think. You would think, and this is a similar case for Burrow and, and then last year specifically in 2022 with Mahomes. It's not just them ripping the ball downfield, whole shots every play, and you know these deep crossers that are just always open in the middle of the field. A lot of it is the, the, the efficient stuff underneath. And in general, with that stuff underneath, you look back at Jones from his rookie season in 2019, a lot of what they ran was that mesh concept just getting the ball out quick into space and then allowing for explosive plays post catch because a, the anticipation anticipation on the throw was good. B the lead on the throw was good. Okay. He's throwing into space rather than throwing at the receiver's hands. He's throwing in front of the receiver to allow for yards after the catch. And there were a good amount of explosive plays from that for the giants. Now, some of it also with 2019 was the high, low reads where Daniel Jones would throw high a lot and this half field reads and, and get big time completions, you know, in the intermediate range. But, I'm not expecting him to just come out here and just start gunslinging and just throwing these like aggressive. We don't need that, right? Like it's not about doing it every play, but it does stand out to me, Nick, about what we're seeing so far in camp. What stands out to me, I should say, is that this hasn't exactly been the case for Daniel Jones in training camps until this point, right? Like last, last August around this time, everyone was rightfully scared by how bad Daniel Jones was performing in training camp. We found out later a lot of it had to do with Wink Martindale throwing the kitchen sink at him over and over and over again. And Jones at the point of like the offense with Dable and Kafka, where it was like, all right, 
don't throw the kitchen sink at me. I'm still trying to learn the playbook. And not by the playbook, I mean just like the, the calls, like how to say something and what this <laughs> means. Now he knows all of that, right? Like people often forget that, Nick. It's like when you're first learning a new offense, the terminology is so different. He had two years in Jason Garrett's offense, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the numbers system, right? Yeah, they run a lot of Eric Coriel type of concepts. They run the Eric, and, and that's not going to be the same coming into a Cathcall Dable offense. So first, he has to just learn that basic stuff of it. And while that's happening, Wick Martindale's firing blitzes at him and firing the kitchen sink. This offseason has been different. Maybe he's more you know acclimated to what Wick Martindale wants to do. But the big factor is that he knows the offense inside out at this point. He's not having to understand. He's not late to the line of scrimmage because he doesn't know the call or he's trying to get on the same page as these receivers with the call. So it does stand out to me that this is kind of the first training camp I've seen where he has been one of the best players from an efficiency and production standpoint in camp. What does that mean to how it translates in the regular season? That still remains a little bit of a, of, of a guessing game, I think for us, Nick, but it has to mean something that he's starting to really get the ball out quickly enough to make all these completions in the move the chains, even if they're not deeper completions, there's st it's still not easy to kind of keep the passing game in rhythm, which we always talk about, which is incredibly important. So I went, to PFF, Dan, and I looked up Josh Allen's yards per attempt in 2021, and it was only 6.8 yards per attempt, right. only slightly more, just slightly than Daniel Jones last season. Now, Josh Allen had 36 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and in the previous year, it was 7.9 yards per attempt. So Josh Allen was using that howitzer that he has attached to his torso. And I'll just say this flat out, Daniel Jones can make all of the NFL throws. Daniel Jones does not have Josh Allen's arm. He does not have Josh Allen's velocity. Josh Allen has a bigger arm, can make even more throws than, say, a Daniel Jones. With the additions of these explosive playmakers that we have been talking about all offseason, I don't think it's unrealistic to assume that the 6.6 .6 yards per attempt number that Daniel Jones had last season isn't going to increase now with someone like Darren Waller out there and someone like Jalen Hyatt out there. It's not anything novel that we're saying, but we saw a big spike from 2021 to 2022 with Josh Allen from 6.8 to 7.6 .6 yards per attempt. And that was with a Josh Allen who hurt his elbow. He was dealing with, I think it was tennis elbow at the time. Maybe it was a Tommy John type of situation. But you saw from about what week eight on, Josh Allen stopped challenging and didn't have as many 20 plus yard throws down the football field. But he still had 7.6 yards per attempt in that season, not under Dable. I think he's going to be smart and decisive with the football from the line of scrimmage to about 10 yard line. It's you need to be decisive beyond that. And that's not even talking about throws over 20 yards from the 10 right. to 20 and then past the 20 yard line. We really need him to be decisive with the football, that area of the field. And I think if this, this training camp, Nick, and this really phenomenal training camp for Jones has taught me one thing, or at least told me one thing that I feel confident about Nick it's take out the 20 plus for now, take out even the, the intermediate 15 range, the whole shots we always talk about. That stuff I'm still uncertain on. I want to see it in-game with a pass rush, with safety rotating post-snap, with opposing defensive coordinator who you've never seen. I want to still see all that stuff. But but I'm feeling very confident in something else, Nick, and it's that he's going to be even better at the short and intermediate game in the sense of what do I always talk about? One of the biggest things for me at the quarterback position that get, gets completely underrated by a lot of people and misunderstood, in my opinion, is that most of the game, in my opinion, is getting rid of the football out of your hands fast with anticipation, understanding where someone is going to be after the throw and before the throw, not at the time of the throw. 
And a lot of people always say, this is a big crutch that I think people fall on that they're incorrect about. And I know you agree with this. We've discussed this a million times is that the only way for a passing game to work is if an offensive line is there to do it for them. But the reality of the situation, if you look back two years, you got your best example with Joe Burrow there in, in Cincinnati when that offensive line was actually a disaster. The reality situation is a quarterback can supersede a bad offensive line by getting rid of the football in under two seconds on a consistent basis. And when they're getting rid of the football in under two seconds on a consistent basis, they're throwing it into space with anticipation into an area of the field where the receiver or running back will run into. And I think that what we've probably experienced and what the coaches, I should say, have probably experienced in camp so far has been Jones doing a much better job of getting rid of the football quickly into space with anticipation on the shorter intermediate stuff. Now, the next level of that is obviously taking it to the whole shots and taking it to the deep downfield like you, like you discussed, Nick. But even if there's a bigger jump, in my opinion, in the first part of that, that will lead to a lot more passing offense because, yes, there was some good moments of it. Minnesota game is the best example of that, but it wasn't consistent even down the stretch when they changed things. But if that gets more consistent, that's when we start to see 270-yard passing games, 280-yard passing games, the occasional 300, which we haven't seen a lot from Jones over the last few seasons, uh, with the exception of obviously his rookie year and, and a couple times last year, uh, taking out the Detroit Lions game where he threw for like 311, but it was like they were playing garb, you know, prevent defense for the whole second half. That's when we start to see it happen throughout the entirety of the game, Nick. And so that's what I'm thinking this is going to mean for us right away, early uh, early efficiency in the short passing game. And then maybe as we move forward through the season, more of the deep and intermediate. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nick, you ever been in the spot where you just felt like I've got a few hours to go. I'm going to this game. I'm buying tickets. I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing. The anxiety is at an all time high. You're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan. The reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. 
I use the Game Time app. The Game Time app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games having a good time and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account. Stanley Cup final week one this past season. I used the game time app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas, saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the game time app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their video tapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the seat view, not like you're buying a seat with an obstructed view. It's an actual image. You know what you're getting. Lowest prices that I've seen by far, and that's their guarantee. You get event, event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user. Snag the tickets without the stress of, with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code BANTER. That's B A N T E R for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code BANTER, B A N T E R, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Absolutely. And also just maximizing the yards after catchability of your wide receivers. Cause that was one of our biggest gripes with the Jason Garrett offense. It was like, dude, everything's like a stick rally. The guys just get tackled right as they catch the football, but that's not what we saw from Dable and Kafka last year. There were obviously some concepts where it's just, Hey, we're looking to pick up four or five yards. If we get anything extra great. And a lot of those concepts are built on putting a defender in conflict to where the defender makes a decision. And then Daniel Jones is just taught, Hey, this defender is going to be in conflict. If he flows outside to cover Saquon Barkley, take Daniel Bellinger's quick spot route. Those routes typically are only you know, five to six yards, but you also have the horizontal crosses. You have the drag routes, guys like Darius Slayton, now with Paris Campbell and Jalen Hyde. You get the football under those playmakers hands, the defense ops to cover say Daniel Bellinger on the spot route, or even Saquon Barkley to the flat. All you need is a step two steps from those types of receivers to outrun a defender to the sidelines, you're going to get so much more yards after the catch was going to lead to more statistics from Daniel Jones. And then what is that going to do? If you're just eating up the defense, hitting them with quick passes and actually picking up yak because of your playmakers, the defense is going to naturally come closer to the line of scrimmage a little bit. And that could possibly set up what? Woo. Jalen Hyatt deep, Darren Waller deep, Paris Campbell deep. I think that's the biggest factor right there that you just brought up. It's the, addition hopefully if things go right for this giants offense of a different style and a different schematic look that the giants face on a consistent basis from those third level defenders the safeties where are they going to line up post snap where are they going to line up pre-snap and if they start to line up a little bit more and play the giants a little bit more like because look like if you look at i don't know if you have the sets in front of you but you, you went over the josh allen stat which i which i referenced earlier that was nice nice little support there nick it, it kind of went into what i saw but mahomes i thought was the same way last year um in 2022 and if you look into and, and i think you'll find the numbers back that up as well but if you look into it the reasons why these things are happening it's because defenses are playing more consistently against the great quarterbacks those two high shells to really prevent the big play and keep everything underneath but that didn't stop the kansas city chiefs from being one of the best passing offenses in the nfl it didn't stop the Bengals from being one of the best offenses. it didn't stop the bills in 2021 the point being you can try to 
play too high, play off the ball with too high and prevent the big play, but it's not going to stop the efficiency of a passing game. And if the Giants can demonstrate early that they're super efficient in the underneath up, even like in that scenario, the Bills and, you know, and, and Mahomes wasn't torching defenses over the top, but still moving the ball consistently through the air. And the reason being so efficient underneath. And if you can do that as Daniel Jones and the Giants, if they can do that, what is that going to do for us? It's going to give Saquon Barkley so many more advantageous looks. One of the biggest reasons why the Bills fell off last year fell off, I say, even though they were like in the thick of it the entire year and almost like made the, <laughs> the tough conference. Like they would have probably won the NFC, to be honest. But like people say they fell off was because teams played them like that. They could still get some efficiency going in the passing game, but their running game was so inefficient off of that. The Chiefs were not a good example of that. They found Pacheco and they found some efficiency in the run game. The Bengals were another example of the opposite, closer to the Bills. Mixon had an unbelievably inefficient season as a runner, just insanely bad if you look into the stats. And so they weren't as able to. But with Barkley and the Giants' run game as they developed, if they can get to the point the Giants where coordinators are respecting the pass just a little bit more to the point where they're playing too high a lot more often or three higher, whatever, middle of the field close type looks and to the or middle of the field open types looks and to the point where they are, you know, backing off a little bit, playing a little bit more at depth, corners playing a little bit more at depth because Hyatt's on the field because Waller's on the field in addition to Slayton. That's when the offense entirely starts to get better, in my opinion, because Barkley sees better looks. Think about it from a mathematical perspective. You're only rushing four. There's five offensive linemen. If you have two high, that means there's one less guy in the box. The defense isn't going to be able to be gapped out. There's going to be a gap that's going to be vulnerable. And if the Giants want to run the football, they're going to naturally bring those safeties towards the line of scrimmage and try to create seven, eight-man boxes. And they could try to do the Brandon Staley gap and a half, cover four, or I should call it quarters type of look. As we saw with Ed Donatel, their defense is vulnerable. Mike Kafka and Brian Dable know how to exploit the defensive structure and tendencies when they attempt to run match type of principles. We saw it a lot with Richie James last year. Richie James, he stemmed one way to draw the attention of a defender and then went in a totally different direction right. into the defender's responsibility. And what did that do? It created a miscommunication. It created a split second of hesitancy that Daniel Jones noticed and then exploited. And we talked about it a lot when we would go over the film last season. You're putting the defense in a bind if you're forcing them to align in two high looks, especially with this rushing attack. And if, especially if the Giants' interior offensive line, now that they have John Michael Schmitz, can block up front because you're relying on some of these defenders to play a gap and a half, these defensive tackles. You're relying them to defend right. the A gap, also shade their ass towards the B gap. So if it's going to the B gap, you can collapse down and then you can assist your adjacent defender in executing that run responsibility at a time when you have somebody coming from depth, whether that be a safety to fill that B gap. It's a defensive structure thing. It's a mathematical thing. Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, they're smart enough to exploit the defensive tendencies to the advantage of the Giants. It's just you need to command that respect as a passer. And that's something that Daniel Jones hasn't necessarily done consistently yet. He hasn't. And you could see it when you watch the film. I mean, you could argue with it. The real thing you can say if you're defending it is he just hasn't had the weapons in the offensive line play. I'm okay with that. But if you're saying he has been doing it already, you're just not watching the tape. And my next point, which is you get to that point and that's when the people who you just mentioned, Dable and Kafka, can really shine because what's happening at that point, the defenses are becoming more predictable. A lot of the times last year, the Giants would face a defense that maybe had a too high look before the snap, but how many games the defensive coordinators play against the Giants after the snap with those safeties and with those corners, rotating them, slamming guys down into the box a lot at safety, rotating corners away from the field side, just leaving it wide open. When you start to get to the point of the Burrow-Mahomes passing efficiency, 
these coordinators aren't doing any of that stuff. They're just sitting those guys in too high so they don't get killed over the top. And so now you have a guy like Darren Waller where if you're going to keep playing those games, you're going to drop that safety into the box right away. Waller's going to kill you on a deep crosser, and you're going to pay for that decision, which you didn't pay for previously. We're already seeing that connection really bud in training camp already. They're connecting. Yeah. He's been his most targeted player overall, and it's been very efficient and very consistent. You bring that to the games, now you have to think twice if you're a coordinator about rotating those safeties down post-snap and just maybe you want to leave them back there and more time, more times than not. It's such a chess game. Football is such a chess game. It's just both of the coordinators going back and forth, trading jabs. And I'm so glad that Mike Kafka is the chess player for the New York Giants because he does an excellent job setting up those jabs and then coming with an uppercut or coming with a cross when the defense is not expecting it. And I expect him to continue to do that this season. Dan, I don't know if you have anything else on Daniel Jones per se, but I wanted to steer this conversation towards a veteran wide receiver who there's clips going around Twitter right now of him operating in training camp. And I'm telling you, man, if Sterling Shepard can stay healthy, I don't know who is going to make this team out of all of these wide receivers who are on the bubble. I don't think Sterling Shepard is on the bubble. It's just he doesn't really add any value as special teams. I think there's probably conversations, difficult conversations that are that are going on right now among Mike Rowe and the rest of the Giants coaching staff. But the way he's moving, he looks vintage Sterling Shepard. And I know it's training camp, but damn, dude, I, it gets me excited to see three out there operating the way he is. No one's going to run that route on this roster like Shepard ran that route against Trey Hawkins. If you haven't seen the clip, just go check out Giants Twitter. I'm sure it's like six or you know maybe 15 tweets down or something. It's a route he ran in the red zone and red zone drills against Trey Hawkins. And it's just not something anyone on this current roster is capable of. And we've long said that Shepard is the best separator and route runner on this roster. Maybe more so route runner on this roster. I don't want to say separator. That's probably Jalen Hyatt at this point and Darren yeah. Waller. But route runner on this roster. And it's for things like that. And somebody did a, I don't know if you saw this, Nick, but somebody replied to me with like a screenshot still shot of the route. And there was a moment in that route where you, the ankle flexion and the knee bend that he had to get <laughs> at that point of that route is just special type shit. Like you talk a lot about ankle flexion, Nick, I picked that up from you and I've been looking at that since. And it's a, a part of an athletic trade. I never really focused on and I And I look at it now with some of these players and I'm like that ability to bend like that and to create that, separation like it's just rare and it's a trait that not i don't even know if it's considered a trait or just what you're born with or whatever <laughs> maybe you work for that kind of flexibility i don't know i'm not a very flexible person and i've been working on that by the way because you need it for golf uh there's my golf reference for the day but um <laughs> you need if i was more flexible i'd be such a better golfer already but anyway the point being he has that natural ability and so to me nick what it means is this shepherd makes it healthy to week one if he makes it healthy to week one the rotation at receiver, I feel like, will be Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Isaiah Hodgins, and Paris Campbell. A combination of those four mixing in and out. And I think Hodgins would actually probably be the odd man out of those four. It doesn't mean he's not going to play, but I would say he would actually end up playing fewest snaps of those four, him or Slayton, I would think. Not Campbell or Shepard. I think you'll see Campbell more on the outside with Shepard on the inside more often than people think. I have a different take. I think Shepard, if he does make this team, and he's healthy. I don't think he's going to receive a full complement of snaps. I think the Giants are very cognizant of his past injury issues, and he's going to come out on third and six, third and eight, and those types of plays. Say if the Giants are in 12 person. Now, the two receivers that I think would be the predominant receivers are going to mix and match. It's not going to be universal, but I would say it would be actually Hodgins and, and Slayton, I think. I think Hodgins more so just because he is a blocker and you can yeah. trust him to execute a variety of different roles. Slayton, he's not Jalen Hyatt type speed, but he's still 
a very speedy receivers and off your play action passes, you can use his speed as well as run the football because we know Slayton is a, is a competent blocker. I think they're going to mix and match, but those would probably be the two that I would bet my money on on receiving the most snaps. I don't think it's like a full complement of snaps for Shepard. I think it'll be like a heavy rotation of those four plus Hyatt plus Beasley. The role you talk about, that third and sixth role, that's the role I envision for Beasley. He just comes in mm -hmm. on random third downs where they need him or the second and shorts where they need him to just create quick separation. And then it's like a five-man rotation going there or no, six-man rotation going there. And I would think there's a chance that Shepard, it'll be such a heavy rotation that you're probably right. It'll be close. Um, and maybe Hodgins does actually get the edge just be, still just because of the blocking. Um, but and what, yeah. where this gets wild, though, dude, is Wandell supposedly is coming off pup, according right. to Joe Shane. So that's seven wide receivers. That. I don't know why I just forgot about that. He's been and and man, like he you look at some of the dig into some of the deep stats on on Wandell's rookie season. He had some really, really impressive target yes. per route run numbers, mm -hmm. which is a really good indicator of breakout um, in the fantasy community. We talk about it a lot targets per route run and yards per route run. Both things he did really good on. He has a lot more upside, too, than I feel like a lot of this receiver core as well. So it does add an interesting layer. So I wanted to propound this idea to you. We've spoken a lot. Like Maybe there's a roster spot between Jamison Crowder and Cole Beasley. That was before we knew Sterling Shepard and Wanda Robinson were going to be healthy. Now, say everybody is healthy. Mm -hmm. Is there a roster spot between Cole Beasley and Sterling Shepard? Is that the real conversation we should be having? It's worth discussing. We obviously have a higher opinion of Shepard than maybe is true or is the reality. I know that. Um, but ah, man, I feel like if Shepard's healthy, there's no way he's missing this roster for Cole Beasley. Yeah. That, that I'm right there with you. Yeah. I mean, Sterling Shepard's the longest tenure, New York giant. He embodies everything it means to be a New York giant on and off the field. Guy got injured last year and he was the biggest hype man for this team. It'd be so difficult to hold him off for a wide receiver who is different. Cole, but yeah, they're both slot type of wide receivers. I think Sterling Shepard gives you more versatility because you can align him outside Cole Beasley. Right. He's, basically purely a slot, but I think Cole Beasley has a ton of utility as well. Both of these players don't really offer you anything on special teams. And that's kind of what a conversation comes down to. So if their injuries don't happen at the wide receiver position, which we hope they do not happen, there's going to be a really difficult discussion among Mike Rowe and the rest of the coaches and somebody, somebody of quality is going to be cut. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I want both. I don't know how they'll make it work, but I kind of want both on their roster just from an insurance standpoint, considering the injury history with Shepard, with Wandale, with players like that. Because, I mean, I, I I saw enough in that preseason game with my own eyes out of Beasley that I know he's still got it. The way he transitioned, we talked about this on the so film quick. broadcast. The way he transitioned on that option route upfield was insanely smooth, insanely quick, and probably better than, in my opinion, anyone on the Giants could have done right now, including Sterling Shepard. That's not necessarily his game. I've never really seen him have that kind of smooth transition. That's That was just as smooth as it gets, and it created another eight yards after the catch there. Like That's, that's valuable stuff, especially in an offense that's operating mostly in the quick game. So it it's like smooth and smart too, because yes, he, yes. you have to know where the defender is in relation to the space you have on the field. Cause a lot of wide receivers would have caught that football and continued up the sideline. But yes. what, what did Cole Beasley do? He caught it, planted his foot, spun back to the inside where there's a bunch of pursuit defenders coming, but he knew that was the best way to maximize the space, best way to maximize how much yards he's going to get. And in doing so, the giants were able to get, like you said, an extra eight yards. Not a lot right. of receivers are going to have that type of headiness to do that. That's exactly right. And that's that's why he's valuable right now to them. And we'll see we'll see what happens with the numbers game there. It'll be really interesting. Um, but ultimately, it's a weird group because of what you mentioned. A lot of good actual receivers. 
not a lot of good special teams players. And that's just so <laughs> rare from a receiver group. And I don't know if they can buck a trend here, Nick, and be a team that goes without having special, having your receivers be special teams players. Cause it just haven't seen that before in my time covering football. But at the same time, it's like, what else are they going to do? Cut a good football player who can help them in the passing game. Where it gets really interesting is if Eric Gray fumbles a punt. Oh, yeah. then it's a disaster for them. They if that happens. Returner. Yeah, exactly. That's when it's like, Whoa, what are they going to do now at punt returner? So they're putting right. a lot of like the, there's a lot of eggs in the basket of Eric Gray being the punt returner, which I understand he's your backup running back. You have a star running back in Saquon Barkley. You want him to seize that role, but if he doesn't seize that role, it could affect what happens at the wide receiver position and who makes the team. Yep. All right. That's our discussion on the Giants passing game. What Daniel Jones mean, what Daniel Jones efficiency means and where we see the wide receiver room shaking out to this day. Keep it locked and loaded. We've got preseason coverage coming up. Then we've got, as we get closer to the season, we're going to do some fun things. Bold prediction, podcast, breakout, sleepers, bus type stuff, which I always have fun doing. So keep it locked and loaded. Big Blue Banters. Like and subscribe. Um, follow us on iTunes or Spotify. Please subscribe there as well. Auto download and leave us a five-star rating and review. We're getting close to a thousand. We want to hit that 1K mark if you, if you can help us do that. We only got like 80 more to go there. So thank you.